You are now listening to the Beat Bodega, a music podcast. Music and talk for all you bitches. Enjoy. Stop telling me what to do. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Beat Bodega. How's it going, guys? Hey, what's how's everyone what's doing? What's going on? What's going on? We had a, a little schedule change. Um, originally, we were going to have uh, Leslie Dean. Um, my fault. I kind of uh, mixed up on messaging her, but we still have an episode. Uh, I think we have an interesting topic. I watched Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5 because Just- she was going to be here. <laughs> you're refreshing you're refreshing i rewatched it no it's it's actually pretty good man it, i don't know it, if i remember that one come through this bitch it's uh there's there's that's another scene. line that's that that's amazing on there it says like i and it's her line too that yeah. it's it's awesome like i could make you relax with these two fingers now i tell anybody that yeah and i'm gonna get smacked in the face yeah yes. you are <laughs> but she finishes it off i'll punch it through your heart all right Anyways, but, but yeah, and and you know, I I realized I've been saying it wrong because I always, I always thought it was, check out the night. It's not. It's check out this night. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just had to put that out there. Uh, so, yeah, we we will yeah, have her. Leslie Dean. No, no, that was my <laughs> it was my fault. We will have her soon. Um, I'm but, just afraid I'm gonna fanboy. Then go ahead and fanboy, dude. Do you know that she was on Dynasty? And What's 20- my favorite song to shower to? That's the true. Dynasty theme song. And she was and, in 21 Jump Street? Wait, wait, wait. It gets better. Do you know what her character's name was on Dynasty? What? Phoenix. Oof. That's oh, so, so you were meant to meet her. Maybe I was meant should, to meet her. Maybe we should leave this <laughs> off for when, when she's here. Yeah. I, I guess. <laughs> Did I already blow my wand? Yeah, so. That's yeah. good. I get it out of, this, out of the way now. And I don't so, fanboy. So you, you don't fanboy when you meet her? Yeah, dude. You know I'm fucking stupid around people. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we uh the topic the <laughs> I love topic. how Carlos entertained us and then he's just like, Yeah, yeah, whatever. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no. no, like like Gilbert said, you know, save that for when she's on. True. But uh but yeah, so we decided uh to go revolutionary music. Um that's right. Fuck. That's right, fuck. Yeah, my shit is hard as fuck. Uh, your shit is hard. Well then let's start with you, man. What do you got? Awesome. All right, let's do this. Okay, these are my top five. Number one, smells like teen spirit. (laughs) Nirvana. Number two, (laughs) territorial pissing. Nirvana. (laughs) Number three. All good choices so far. Rate me. Nirvana. Number four, come as you are. Nirvana. And number five. Definitely last but not least, heart shaped box, Nirvana. <laughs> I see a theme there. <laughs> no man, I, I I've been on this Nirvana kick all week. Um, I just watched that that Woodstock uh, documentary, Woodstock '99. That was cool. And I know we've talked about it a lot on this show, but it's 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 so different when you hear it from someone else and on TV. Like it carries more weight. Not that the facts you've given us, Carlos and Gil, are any less than. But when they, I don't know if they were more eloquent I, in how I they described them. Valued right now. <laughs> and that's, and that's the, not very hard to do. The respect that they gave Kurt Cobain for changing everything, and that whole uh, Woodstock '94 and '99, like forty five years after his passing, that they were still talking about it. I just. I gotta listen to some of his shit, you know, and he and 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 you think about how his his music, you know, or their music, I'm sorry, changed attitudes and things like that. You know, there was there was a lot of changes from '94 to '99, but yeah, it, yeah, it was because of that documentary. It, that documentary was like fucking eye openings on so many levels. Like I remember all that thing happening, but then when you start kind of delving into like the psycholo- like the psychology of it more than anything else, you're like, yo, this shit is wild. Like and and the nudity was crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah but I, it's funny because I was talking to a guy today and he he told me he was he just started talking about the documentary and I heard I you know uh, I think you had just texted me a little bit before that or you texted us yesterday about it. Yeah. And I said uh yeah my my buddy you know, loved it. He said it was great, so now I want to watch it. Yeah, definitely. It's really it, good. It, there's good. nothing more exciting than watching people roll around and shit and piss. 
I don't know about you, but that gets me hard. It usually <laughs> does, Eric. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so now, now going into how serious my list is, I, I'll just go. <laughs> wait, can I just give a, a? I really didn't know how to classify revolutionary songs, so right. I just went with that Nirvana and kind of changed the world type of thing. So I didn't know if you meant it in a more militant or or just change overall. You know, like '69 music, not the position, the year. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I look. However, you interpret it, you interpret it. So, but you know, I'm going to go militant. Nice. But, uh, Gilbert, what do you got? Um, all right. So my, my, uh, my first one was born in the USA by, uh, Bruce Springsteen. Nice. Um, and I, I, the, you know, the message of the song, it's basically about, you know, uh, soldiers coming back from Vietnam and being, you know, like just not taking care of, you know, you talk about the PST and all this, uh, you know, PTSD, PTSD. What I, I was like, I said that wrong. Um, but the, the the crazy part was that Reagan co-opted that for his theme for his second um, election. And it was like, you know, the, the to him, the most American thing ever. And it's really an anti-American, not an anti-American well, song, but it's like an anti-way of how America treats its soldiers and stuff like that, you know? But growing up as a kid, didn't you think it was of kind of that Reagan song and it was that positive about, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know USA, that yeah. until I was an adult. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow, this is an anti, you know, anti-government song and, yeah. and all that. So but when you listen to the lyrics now, like it's funny because when, when we um when uh, we decided to do the re- revolutionary songs, I the, the first one I thought about was that because of the, the irony of of Reagan using it as his thing. But then when you listen to the lyrics, it's yeah, it's it's fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. it's it's a it's a great song. Um and that that song really was what made Bruce Springsteen, like, you know, he was more like a cult hero, like a working class hero, but born in the USA was like the boss, you know, and like this made him into like a superstar. That tour tour was crazy. I got a story with that tour. Okay. Um, I was still living at the beach at that time. I think I was like second grade or something. And I told this guy in the neighborhood that my mom, I think they played, he played at the Orange Bowl or something like that. And I told, I told the girl that my mom was the lady that went up on stage like Courtney, Courtney, like Courtney Cox. Cox? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, shut up, Eric. You're such a liar. I'm like, yeah, dude, that was my mom. And she goes, what's your mom's work phone number? So she, we hung up. We were kind of on the phone. She, she, she calls me, what's your mom's work phone number? And me like an idiot, I give it to her. <laughs> so this girl has called my mom and my mom tells her like, no, what are you talking about? She calls me back and she's like, Eric, I just spoke with your mom. You were such a liar. Like, I didn't even know how to lie like a good person like back then, man. That is amazing. I, but the, the balls on that girl to actually call your mother. Oh, yes. We were kids, man. I, we must have been like seven or eight, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was just like at work, too. It was... it was Right. <laughs> <laughs> your mom's reaction. What the what fuck the did fuck? Eric do? <laughs> she gets home like, some. I got fired because some girl called my job. Holy shit, dude. Oh, oh man. Um, so... Uh, so that was my first. My second is All Right by uh, Kendrick, uh, Kendrick Lamar. Um, and, um, you know, it really kind of um, preceded like this, the, the whole like Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but, it, you know, it's talking about police violence. And, and you know, as we go on the list, I have another one there. Spoiler alert. But uh, but uh, but yeah, it really kind of talked about that. And, and, and you know, being a black person in America at this time and, and just, you know, obviously the inequalities that are going um, along with it it's a great song Kendrick is you know one of the one of the I like not that he's a young guy anymore but he's like from this generation probably like the the I think we've spoken about it before it's like him Drake J. Cole you know those guys so um it's a great song um my third one on the list is what's going on by Marvin Gaye um you know you about it. nice dude you had it you had it's aggressive that's not aggressive it's one way I, I didn't say aggressive. no you said militant. That's not militant either. No, no, I asked that question. <laughs> yeah. He said he went militant, but I was asking yeah. what it was. Yeah, no. but that's right. You you say your thing about it, and I'll say my thing about it. Yeah, Bitch. I mean, at the time, like that that album is probably one of the like one of the really greatest albums in general. You know what I mean? Um, but I won't take too much, so you can speak. Well, it's one of my favorite albums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my fourth one is um, the message. Um, did I take that one or no? That's a good one. No, no, no. That's, that's a, a good really good one. That's dude. a good one. And it's it's the first like reality rap, I guess you can say, um, by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. You know, they were talking about it wasn't like you know, 
the huff, the hibbity. They yeah, were talking Mario, about, what, about what was happening life. Yeah, street in life. the streets at the time when, when like, you know, I mean, Carlos, you're from that era. I, that shit, like the Bronx back then looked like a fucking war zone. It literally, it, it literally it, looked it like. Still, it still does, I'm sure. No, man. Uh, so, 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 South Bronx? You, well, you, um, well, yeah, no, and just, yeah. And, yeah, um, back, back know, then. No, but I mean, it was it was it looked like a war zone, literally. Like, yeah, yeah it looked buildings like buildings collapsed know, and burnt, exactly. burnt buildings, yeah. abandoned burnt buildings. buildings yeah. Um, uh, you know, as depicted by the by the better breakdancing movie B Street, you can see how how it was. <laughs> I, I I agree with that statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but when you look at back then, man, like you see some of these these um. Um, videos and pictures of of what New York looked back then, even like you know Times Square. Like I mean, not right now it's Disneyland, but it Times, used to be Times Square the in the eighties were gnarly. Yeah, it was all uh, like uh, you know porn, porn yeah, shit yeah, like that. Peep, so, peep shows and homeless mm-hmm. people. Yep, yep. So um, to me, the message is was like the first like reality rap song mm-hmm. you know recorded. You know, so um, and the last one is "Fuck the Police" by N.W.A. Um, I think we've talked about how I was growing I, up here. It was funny because I was tentative about bringing that one up. Yeah, but um, I mean, it, it, it was what it was. I mean, the, the message hasn't changed from back then till now. From back then to now, you know. Um, and um, I mean, I think I've talked about it here and before about le- like listening to that album, having to listen to that album when my little brother wasn't around because my parents wouldn't let me, you know, <laughs> listen to it when there was. And I will say, I will say, like we said that episode, fucking Giovanni. <laughs> so, so um but it, it brought it brought this thing and and um you know it was r- right before the the rodney king beating and 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 the riots in mm-hmm. in um in compton and, and la so it re- was really like leading up to this you know and and it was the first kind of like shining the light on on po- police brutality and 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 really just a life that you know that we don't know anything about especially like especially in west coast period like you know we grew up listening to 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 uh new york hip-hop you know when but this came like like the west coast was bringing that like gang culture and all the shit that we grew up nothing knowing nothing about you know so um uh so yeah that was my my fifth one yeah, nwa that, so it's funny because i think um i can't remember if it was ice t or ice cube that said in an interview like they, it was what was powerful about NWA is they were reporting what was going on in the streets. Mm-hmm. It was like, of course, what you wouldn't see in the news. That's what they were rapping about. Yeah, I think so. I think it was different because you ha- you guys had you, I mean, you had early guys like Kooji Rap and 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 like these guys like that 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 sp- that spit like street rhymes, mm-hmm. but it was from like a New York experience right like living in the projects and you know like hustling in the in the hallway yeah. this was on some other shit like, yeah. this yeah. was like, well, <laughs> like gangs and 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 you know like i uh it's funny I, for, I forgot where it is like um you see like like you go down like the hood in 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 compton and it's like fucking looks like a beautiful scenery it's like palm trees and shit but like all some crazy shit is going on there yeah. you know where, where like like we spoke before like new york looked grimy and it, and it yeah, felt cause, grimy cause, yeah because it was all tenements and but even yeah, yeah. here it looks grimy like the the the, the bad right. areas where right. what you say like yeah when you go down crenshaw it's like wow this is not a bad neighborhood <laughs> <laughs> so um so yeah so i i mean I, I we've spoken about them before um of how you know again they just brought this they they shine this light on on a just a different way of 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 living out there. Well, you know? I, I I wouldn't even say they Ice Cube did. You know, well, no, Ren, no, no, and, like, and Ren, Ice Cube yeah. and Ren. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they were the one because you know Ice Cube was outspoken since he was a kid. Oh, absolutely you know, about yeah, yeah. about everything that he was. But I mean, he there used was... to get a lot of time out in elementary. <laughs> I don't think they had time out. But, yeah, <laughs> but I, I think I, I think as far as hip hop, like the two most powerful, I guess, revolutionary songs would be. Fight the power and then fuck the bullies. Yeah, fight the power, obviously. Yeah. I mean, fight the power was. I mean, that was. It became such a huge anthem. About self destruction, we can add that one there. Too. Well, but that, but that was a positive message. Uh, okay. Yeah, you know, like, I, but it. I was thinking of putting by the time I get to Arizona on there, that, which was that was that was a strong song. Yeah. yeah. But. All right, so, I went. I went more old school. But so uh, my first song is James Brown, Say It uh, Say it Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud. So, you know, what a time to release a song. You know, it's, it, you know, empowering Black people to, to be involved and, and take pride in what they're doing in a time where the temperament in this country was horrible. You know, we talked about before 
you know, what James Brown did after, uh, after Martin Luther King was, was assassinated, mm-hmm. how, you know, to, to try to diffuse what was going on in the streets and, and the rioting was, you know, he decided to go on with his performance anyway, which I talked about, he actually didn't want to do it. And then, you know, they, you know, the people that were with him said, Hey, look, this is, this is when we need you, you know, and, um, you know, who better than the Godfather of soul, who wasn't a saint himself, but at the time, you know, he, he released an anthem, you know, for that, for that generation, you know, like be, be proud of yourselves, you know, forget everything that's fucking going on in the streets, take pride in, in who you are and, and empower yourself and be self-reliant, uh, which is it's a great song. And, you know, you know, he's in the lyrics, he's saying how, you know, demand a chance to do things for ourselves. You know, we're tired of beating our heads against the wall and working for someone else. We're people. We're just like the birds and the bees. We'd rather die on our feet than be living in our knees. You know, say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. You know, and, and it's I love those songs that are a chant back and forth. You know, and then you have that in the recording where you hear the uh, you know the band singing it back to him and him singing it to them. So <clears throat> powerful song. Uh, and again, the climate of the time to release a song like that it it, it was it was uh, it was a really big statement. Uh, just like Gilbert, Marvin Gaye, what's going on? Right. If one of the top five albums of all time, in my opinion, that I love that album. Reminds me a lot about my father. But uh, you know, it was he actually didn't write the song. So Obi Benson from the Four Tops wrote the song, mm. and and he actually took the song. And then you know there was a lot of messages in that album and the What's Going On album. It was, it was a strong album, uh, but it was going back dating. You know, dating prior to uh, to. Uh, to NWA, it was what inspired the song was when they saw police attacking anti-Vietnam protesters. That that's where the song that's where it actually stemmed from. So you know when you hear the the line that picket lines, picket signs, you know don't punish me with brutality. That that was what Obi Benson was watching when he was actually in Berkeley, California, when that was going on when the when they rioted and started beating the the anti-war demonstrators. So. I mean, and, and it's it's such a deep song, and there's such a strong message, and it's such a melodic song, mm-hmm. you know, almost almost romantic, you know, like just the the way the I mean, it's also Marvin Gaye's voice, but um, that that was uh, you know, it's 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 weird to call it a revolutionary song because of the tone of the song, but the messaging of the song makes yeah, it the lyrics. I mean, yeah, yeah it's right. So this one, Eric, this will go to a topic that we talked about earlier this week. So this is Pepe y Flora. They have a song called Que Bonita Mi Bandera. So I had, Eric and I, we were talking about the Young Lords, um, which was a gang. You're saying it wrong, Carlos. The what Young is, Lords. The, <laughs> the, the, the Young Lords. But uh, it was originally a street gang that started in Chicago, a group of Puerto Ricans. It was a Puerto Rican street gang. And uh, they developed this group, or they, they adopted the gang and brought them over to New York. And they got involved in uh, civil and human rights. Uh, you know, they were all about empowering neighborhoods, uh, you know, Puerto Ricans, Latinos, uh, Black and, and, and Hispanics that were colon- that come from countries that were colonized. So they decided, you know, we're going to stand up against, you know, the government. They actually teamed up with the Black Panthers and did a lot of work together. Uh, but, and local neighborhood, right? And, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, so... I was exp- I was telling Eric this story. So uh, the barrio, which is a neighborhood in New York where it's predominantly Puerto Rican, predominantly Hispanic, um, you know, they were they were dealing with the same things that every minority was in the U.S. at that time. You know, they were getting beaten down. Um, uh, city services were were being denied. So uh, the story that I told Eric was during that period, uh, waste management wouldn't go into the barrio, so they weren't picking up the garbage. So they said, all right, cool. Hold my beer. This is what we're going to do. They spent a whole week picking up the garbage from that whole part of that whole part of Brooklyn, collected it, dropped it on 103rd street and set it on fire and said, pick up our fucking garbage. You know, and that, that was then, you know, New York city was like, we can't fucking have this. So then that's how they were able to get, uh, you know, uh, uh, waste management to come and pick up their shit. I mean, it was. It, it, I love it, how, how how a city that's built on immigrants forgets that. Seriously, that fact. Yeah. yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, yeah. If, if there's any city that and a nation built, for that matter. Yeah, right. 
But if there's any city that, you know, would have demonstrated, you know, it would be New York City. I mean, like, no, there's nobody there that's originally from, I mean, who, who do you have? Chief Manhattan, like the, the Indians that were there before anybody else. But, you know, there was built on the sweat in the back of all these different cultures. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they had to deal with that. And it's funny. I mean, I, older New Yorkers would remember, but New York was extremely segregated. I mean, it was, you had Puerto Rican neighborhoods, you know, it was Black Harlem, Spanish Harlem, Chinatown, Little Italy, you know, Washington you had Heights. Washington Heights, like, you know, even, uh, you know, uh, Bensonhurst and, you know, like you had, you know, you know, uh, Hasidic Jewish neighborhoods. And then like everybody was separated in such a tiny little area in New York, because I mean, if, yeah, it's one of the largest cities in the world, but when you look at a map of New York, New York City is just the tip of Long Island. You know, and then it, it, just to have all of this going on, but you know, it, it was it was amazing how how these group of of you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old kids, you know, developed this movement, you know, just like the Black Panthers did, and you know, kind of took their city back. And so that song "Que Bonita Mi Bandera" is just like uh, just like uh, you know, say a lot. I'm black and I'm proud. It has that back and forth chant, uh, and it's. You know, a lot of these Puerto Ricans grew up with their parents, um, you know, still living in, in, in free Puerto Rico at the time until it got colonized by the United States. So there was a lot of resentment with these kids growing up and then going to New York. And then when uh, when these guys started, uh, you know, started their movement, uh, the salsa music from the 70s that came from New York, like Rey Barreto, uh, Hector Lavoe, all of those songs went from being, you know, uh, club salsa music to having messages hidden into it so you know that's that became the anthem of, of this group um then i went with uh i mean any insert any song from rage against the machine and then you know but i went specifically with freedom uh and not not so much the song but the the messaging in the video so the video itself was focused on leonard peltier who was um the leader, or he was one of the leaders of the American Indian movement, who they were considered a radical uh, group of people that were, you know, basically not anti-government, but they were pro- uh, Sovereign, right? It was, sovereign. It was yeah. so, right. Yeah. right. So, you know, the, the long and short of it, it was, uh, he gets accused of killing two FBI agents um, and wrongfully in prison. None of the evidence tied him to it. Um, and then a lot of the statements from the FBI agents you know, weren't even close to tying in Leonard Peltier. But because he was part of AIM, you know, the, the organization, and one of the leaders, uh, you know, they set him up and, and he was in prison for a long time. And the video focuses on freeing Leonard Peltier, who, you know, was freed and or who was finally released in the early 2000s, who had actually run for president uh, as recently as this past election. I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he had like 2,000 votes all in California, but, uh, you know, he was, he, you know, he became an icon for, for the American uh, Indian nation, you know, and, um, you know, it's the video. If you watch the video, I mean, obviously in the strong, the song is so strong behind the video, you know, you have Zach De La Rocha, you know, with how aggressively he raps and then his, you know, his screaming. And then you watch the footage of, of, uh, all the abuse on, on the American Indian nation. And then, you know, pictures of Leonard Peltier and when, you know, uh, them showing the, the footage of the, of the trial. Uh, I mean, again, that's, it's, I guess, probably the most revolutionary band in our lifetime, Rage Against the Machine or the most involved or the, with the loudest messages in regards to, you know, you know what's going on so that song was in my introduction to rage against the machine too i think that was their first video video. yeah yeah i mean and even remember when they and we never heard anything like that before no it's like what the fuck yeah i mean and 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 you know with a group of guys that really understand what's going on in the world and you know are really involved they don't just sing about it they're heavily involved in a lot um and um you know, when they had their concert in front of the Democratic Convention and try to shut shut that whole area down. If you actually, if you have the opportunity to watch the DVD of it, it's actually, it's leading up to the leading up to the show what they did and and how they were uh, how they tried to stop the concert. Um, but you know, probably you know, the first time we saw like a a, vid- a video that had a 
that type of messaging in it. You know, that was that that aggressive saying, hey, you know, like free this guy. This is, you know, bullshit with the, you know, what was uh, what was done to him. So um, the last song is uh, Bob Marley's Redemption song. So what, it's funny is I've always been a Bob Marley fan. I didn't know this was the last it was his last song for his final album. So it was almost like these are my last words before I die. Now, obviously he didn't know he had cancer at the time, but you know, one, the legacy of that song has lasted forever, has been, you know, covered multiple times. I mean, probably one of the most interesting covers of that song is uh, uh, Johnny Cash and, uh, and what's his name? Uh, and Joe Strummer from The Clash. It was actually produced by uh, Rick Rubin. So that, that's an interesting version of the song, but you know, it's it's the first non-reggae song that he did. The only non-reggae song that he did. He What he wanted to do was almost replicate what Bob Dylan did with Times Are Changing. It's just one guy with an acoustic guitar. And, you know, talk about another guy that, you know, wrote revolutionary music is Bob Dylan. But, you know, one of the cool kind of hidden messages in the, in the song is in the first line. So his first lines are actually... Uh, it was a speech from Marcus Garvey, who was, you know, a, a guy that stood for, for African-American rights, for all African descendant rights, um, you know, and, and he influenced a lot of like the Rastafarian, uh, you know, uh, thought processes. So it's almost he paraphrases what Garvey says, but that 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 part that says emancipate yourself from mental slavery, none but ourselves can free our mind. That's actually paraphrasing uh, Marcus Garvey's speech. So and then how. Uh, Barb Marley takes, you know, the advances in technology and, you know, to try to compare to, uh, you know, kind of a inner feeling of, of, you know, not fearing what's coming ahead of you when he says, have no fear in atomic energy, because none of them could stop the time. And then, you know, then he kind of praises like the, uh, you know, previous revolutionaries, you know, and then where he says, how long shall they kill our prophets while we stand aside and look? Um, but, you know, historically, one of the most revered songs, I guess, by a lot of artists covered a lot. Uh, I'm going to read a quote that uh, Bono from U2 said uh, that he says, I carried Bob Marley's redemption song to every meeting I had with politicians, prime ministers or presidents. It was for me a prophetic utterance or, as Bob would say, a small axe that could uh, fell the big tree. So you know, respect about Marley and, uh, you know, he, he was, I mean, between that Buffalo soldier, a lot of the songs that he wrote, you know, had, had all these deep meetings and, and were revolutionary. I mean, look what that guy did, you know, that, I mean, he died young. He died in his early thirties of cancer and how he resonated throughout the whole world. You know, one artist coming from Jamaica started, you know, in a small little ska band, in the 50s and then became this music icon and still you know giving out these messages of of hope and freedom and and and, and being aware of, of everything around you so um you know that's that's my last song that's redemption song by mom marley cool so you know it's funny like now that you like you mentioned that like a, a lot of your songs are from the 70s and it was like a tumultuous period like we never really had anything to to rebel against or no no you know i i think we kind of had it easy growing up oh absolutely there wasn't you had the gulf war but we didn't we, we, were too, that we, last, were, we were still too young you know and and i don't think we ever we were just angsty just for the sake of it right yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know it, it, it's something that my father would always say was and i understand it now is what he said because i mean my dad grew up during that period you know and uh one thing that he always would say, he goes, what's missing is that spirit of revolution that the late 60s and 70s brought. And then, you know, growing up as a Puerto Rican in New York in the 50s and, and all, you know, then growing up in the 60s and 70s, fighting in Vietnam himself, you know, this was a guy that his choices were either serve time for previous indiscretions or go to Vietnam. And then, you know, my dad was a psycho, so he said, I'm, I'll go to Vietnam. You know, and then, you know, he uh, 
probably one of the coolest stories uh, that he said, you know, I'll say it now because, I mean, he's passed, he's been gone for a few years, but is, uh, you know, he told me a story when he came back from Vietnam and went to, uh, he was in Central Park in his dress uniform. He was on his way to visit his mom, his mom, my grandmother. And, but he decided, oh, let me go hang out with the hippies. And, you know, so you're a soldier in full dress uniform, sitting in a, in a, in a circle, you know, and they were all sitting down smoking and freebasing and, you know, a guy with a guitar. And, you know, when he tells a story and then there's a picture of it that I wish I had was in that circle, you see Joan Baez and Jimi Hendrix. And he goes, but that's, that's what that time was. You know, there was no, there wasn't celebrity. You know, these guys would play free shows in the park uh, because they were also part of the protest. You know, they were part of the, the movement at the time. And, uh, you know, and I, as unfortunate as it was the 60s, you know, for minorities in the 50s, and then you have, you know, this that one year of 1969 where, college students and, and, and kids, you know, actually stood up against the government and said, hey, look, what we're doing is wrong, you know, and then to finally see, you know, different cultures blending together to stand up for something that, that you know, it was, I forget what they refer to 1969, but it was from one year to another, how it went from being an ultra conservative country and in one summer changed the whole dynamic of, of the whole world. You know, because a bunch of young kids actually stood together. Don't and, they and call it the last year of innocence or something? Like that? Yeah, like yeah, like the end of innocence or something yeah. like that. But but it was yeah, because I mean, look what happened. You went from Susie Homemaker to Acid and Free Love and and you know and let's and, bring everything out in the open, right? Yeah, you had, you had a lot of things going on. You had the sexual revolution, yeah, the, you know, the well women so. women's rights started. You know, they started. It, it was it, it was the first time or. You know, unfortunately, we didn't get to grow up to it, but, but imagine the culture shock that that happened, the shift in, in, in um, you know, where they took they told that generation, look, it's, it's over. All the shit that we've been doing is done, you know, and then, you know, you had the Black Panther movement, uh, the Young Lords, make you feel better for Eric, so I could say it with the accent. Uh, you know, you you had so much going on, and uh, a lot of shit. Like even man landing on the moon, there was a lot of stuff going. Yeah, on. there it was. The the world changed in a blink of an eye, and you know, one summer the whole world changed. So, like you're right, it, it's I specifically stuck with that era because what what artist didn't put out a song that actually meant something, you know? And um, you well, know, I, the, I I I I could bring it back, right? I could I could tie it into our generation and. That's why I brought up the, the the man landing on the moon. I don't know if you guys had a chance to listen to that little spoken word I sent you by Gil Scott Heron, Whitey on the Moon. Yeah, that's, that's it's, the it's, same guy that wrote that the revolution will not be televised. Right. Um, so, you know, it's Whitey, you know, uh, a rat done bit my sister Nell, Whitey on the moon, her face and arms begin to swell, Whitey on the moon. And I, I think it's relevant today even more so because at least at that time, it was a government and it was like a unified thing, like a nation was bonded together. Right. To go, you know, for a common goal, right? To reach the moon. Everybody was like, let's do this. You know, and, and that came out the year after, right? I think it came out in 1970. Right. And it's like, yeah, you're doing all these things, but are you you taking care of the people? You know, like, yeah, we're and and now with who Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos yeah. watching them stuff like that that poem cannot be any Relevant, more relevant yeah. now than it than than ever you know just now we have individuals like a, a white guy just being rich enough to go like this guy's able to you know end the hunger just one of them right can end the world hunger but it's going to space yeah but it, it's it's a dick measuring contest you know? clearly by bezos rocket you know not, like I, not even the whole like dick measuring thing it's just like you know it's it's there is no common goal anymore. No, no. Right. But, like, but realistically, there's, but there hasn't been a spirit of revolution, you know, to quote my father in this country. Like everybody's become so self-involved and everybody's world is in a digital screen that's, that's held in their hand. So and the world doesn't seem real anymore. You know, so you have, you're right. 
you have the same thing going on where, you know, these guys are, are competing for that when one selfless act could change the world and they don't follow it, you know, and they don't do it because you're right. There is no common goal. There's, there's what the last time you saw some type of unification was what September 11, you know, and we just, we just finished well, black lives matter, right? Well, yeah, but, but, and then, and then, and then January 6th. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, but those are pockets. Yeah, those are pockets. And, and, you know, I mean, well, but, you know, the last time, like, you know, as a country where it felt somewhat unified was September 11th, but, but, but it was, but there was, it had its darkness because everybody was proud to be an Americans, you know, stood together. We lost this group of people, but what ended up happening? Then all this Islamophobia, all these people, you know, if you were from the Middle East, you were targeted. Patriot were, Act. Yeah, the Patriot Act. You know, yeah. you want to argue about losing freedoms. Yeah. Could have started there. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it, it's, but th there's nothing that's brought the country together and say, hey, let, let's work this out together. It's, everything's become self-interest, you know, and, and but, you know. If there, if there was something going on in the world that Bezos has an actual tie to, that he can help instead of flying to the fucking space. That would be, <laughs> yeah, right. Like this that, that network, this global network that um, reaches everyone. Uh, yeah, like if there, were, if there was some type of thing that had a delivery service that would go everywhere. <laughs> if only that uh, happened. Yeah, god. I mean, oh my god! Name it after a part of the world that's like the lungs of the earth. Amazon. Like I would call the company Amazon. You know, but Jesus Christ, man. I mean, you would think, you would only hope that somebody would stand up and do something like that, but, you know. All they need is some Wi-Fi over there, man. <laughs> you have the biggest servers in the fucking world. It'll help. Shit. Well, you know what? How about some CCR, man? Uh, Fortunate Son. That's another... Uh, oh, powerful song. Powerful, powerful song. song. I, I didn't include that one, man. man there's, there's, there's a lot. There's some I mean, good shit, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, just, I just got an F- minus on this assignment. Yeah. I really didn't know what to do. You got, you got, you got. Although I think I, I came, I came strong for you. Yeah, yeah, you, got, yeah. you got an A plus in my book. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like look. They, I, going back to Bob Dylan, just the hurricane. Oh my God, that song, dude. You know, like, like it's what and, a story. Like the way he, the way that song, it's just yeah. like wow. He narrates a guy's entire situation in one song, and then I mean, well, you know until i mean although he did sell his catalog for 300 million dollars but you know if if there's anybody that constantly had messages that that you know that were deep and and, and thought provoking was was bob dylan you know and you had um yeah and you know there, there were countless countless of people that grew up in that era the 60s the, the early 70s you know it, it was all yeah. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go Sorry. ahead. Oh, who do you think are our, our modern day revolutionaries? I know Gilbert mentioned Kendrick Lamar. Um, is there anybody else that you would put up there? Killer Mike. Killer Mike. Yeah. Killer Mike. Uh, still Zach De La Rocha. Um, but I mean, you, I, who else? Who else would we put up there? I mean, that. that for, I mean, that's all that come to the top of my head. But I mean, who was a stronger voice uh, immediately after the George Floyd thing than Killer Mike? All the work that he did in, in Atlanta. And I mean, I think if we had to rank heroes of COVID and and during the whole disturbance, it would be Killer Mike, you know, and but. I mean, we, I mean, you said that we haven't had anything, but the, the Iraq war and the Gulf War, that was a big deal. And a lot of, there was a lot of, you know, um, you know, I mean, I, there was a lot of like stuff that came out of it as far as like anti-Bush stuff that came from it. Like, you know, like Fat Mike had a whole coalition like of, of um, like the punk rock uh, go, like voting thing. Um, Green Day, American Idiot. Like there was a lot there was a lot going on that was like I, I just don't think it was probably as, as pronounced. You're talking about senior, right? Well, one was senior and one was junior. Because, <laughs> yeah, the, the first one, I think the first one, like, was only 43 days, the first war. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, right. I, I don't. Yeah, it was. It was a short thing. It was. Yeah, yeah. No, it was more. It was more junior. Like, like you know, like, I, like I think I think Fat Mike got a lot of shit for for like backing. Um, 
what's this guy's name? Uh, uh, Carrie. Carrie. Um, and because like you know, to punk rockers, they're both the, they're both the bad ones. You know what I mean? Like there's, but he was like, I, I, it's taking the the lesser evil. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the fact that you bring up George Bush, right? W. I had a dream last night with him that I was partying with him. That dude looks like he he could party pretty good. Right? I swear to God, and he even brought his own special stash of liquor, and he's like, "Yo, we're gonna drink," and it was a good time. But then his staff got started getting pissed at me because I was not that I was not appropriate, and I was leaving, and then they came chasing me, and he's like, they, "They're yelling at me like." Your political career is over. And I'm here thinking, what political career? I don't do that. And they're like, Francis Suarez is going to get you. Like, our mayor. Oh, my God. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? I, I'm not even in politics. Yeah, no, but so- I had so much fun with George Bush in my dream, dude. Yeah, it was awesome. amazing. He, he looks like he can party, man. He looks like he can party. So this is, I just I just uh, Googled most revolutionary songs. This is uh, what the, I'll just read off some of the ones that they got that we didn't mention. Uh, oh, that weren't on our list. Obviously, fight the power. Sunday, bloody Sunday by you two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fortunate son is mentioned by Eric. God save Lord. the queen from Sex Pistols. Same love by Macklemore. That 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 was a pretty telling song when he released it. You know, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Radiohead, Idiotech. <laughs> uh, give peace a chance. Uh, by the plastic Ono band, but um, oh, yeah. they'll, they'll have like Imagine is where all no, of course, uh, American Idiot as you mentioned, uh, the specials, uh, Nelson Mandela, the Scott, the old ska. I, I was actually going to put them on Revolutionary Ghost Town is Ghost another Town. one. Ghost Town, and and to me, I was going to put that just because of the the um um what it did um as far as like you know the uh, influencing the ska bands of like. Our, our generation right like the punk scott bands like those they they talk about the specials and and all those guys as like they revere those guys you know well, so well, well think think about what what scott did so all these all these kids in europe that were especially in england two-tone um, yeah yeah the, all the two-tone record people so all these kids that grew up around all these you know racist white people they said that's not us and then they adopted ska music. Well, it was more it, it over there was more classism than than actually than racism anything, yeah. because so it's all the all the kids were like in in the projects over there, but they were like mixed. There'd be like the poor white kids, and then yeah. the kids that came over from Jamaica. Because remember, like that that was yeah. After but the it, war, it, it did yeah. later devolve into the racism. Yeah. Yes, a really bad one too. But yeah. but initially it was like the, the whole the way they they got together was was a class thing. It's like we're all of us are poor like and it was like it was crazy because like these jamaicans were brought over from jamaica to, to help build back the country yeah. because it had gone through all this all these wars and yeah. so then you got this melting pot of of i think i mean incredible you know like yeah yeah but yeah it, it's yeah all those all those scott kids that grew up during that period a song damn, and i now that i read it i'm like fuck i wish i, I would have put it but nina simone's uh mississippi goddamn that powerful fucking song and i mean one of the greatest voices of all time. Uh, another brick in the wall, Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Rage Against the Machine, Killing in the Name. Um, and I need to listen to some more lyrics, man. Yeah. You know, it's crazy that you know all these songs. Yeah. Re- what does it mean? <laughs> Res- respect from Aretha Franklin. Fuck. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's see. Uh, Sam Cooke, Change is Gonna Come. I mean, That's with a classic. Yeah classic but yeah look the message by, by grandmaster flash like you mentioned you know rocking in the free world neil young you know and then it, the fact that it came back when he did it with pearl jam the pearl jam yeah. yeah uh but yeah look there's i mean there, there's so many everyday people by slying the family stone great song uh krs1 sound of the police that, another guy you know still still vocal and still doing his thing but yeah, man, I, I, you know, this is a topic that we can go through, you know, plenty. I mean, there's, there's always, I think art always brings a, a revolutionary aspect to it, you know, because it's a lot of times it's, uh, it's kind of the only way you can express yourself without condemning yourself a lot in a lot of ways, you know, with, even with a lot of the Cubans, a lot of the singers and a lot of the artists that, that stood up against Castro ended up locked up, 
you know, because they, they were expressing their freedom and, and through through art. So um, shout out to all those uh, revolutionaries that are alive and still continue to to put out messages out there for a better world. But yeah, you guys ready for some noticias, some news? Let's do it. I am. All right. So I we're going to start off sadly with uh, um, the passing of Dusty Hill, ZZ Top bassist. Uh, Joey it just happened today, right? Yeah, happened just happened, right? Well, and then uh, so and then Joey Jordanson from the drummer from Slipknot, and and did then, they give uh, a reason what 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 happened to him? Not yet. Oh, not yet. Hey, he was only forty seven. I think that's yeah, what he's young, young man, young dude. And then uh, uh, you know Johnny Ventura, the great uh, Dominican salsa singer. He's uh, he passed today. Oh shit! I didn't know that. Yeah. So uh, rest in peace to those three. Um, so that will that will go on to, to to more news. Sadly, you know, we lost three. I've I've, ne- I've never been into Slipknot, but I know he's an extremely respected drummer. Yeah, so. they they there there's many people that consider him like the goat. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, he, yeah he's a, a monster apparently. But yeah, um, so Wu Tang Clan album. Once owned by Martin Shkreli, sold by the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. So, if nobody knows that name, he's the big he's the big pharma guy, the pharma bro, the pharma bro, pharma bro. Yeah, that. Uh, so, the the album previously owned by uh, by Martin Shkreli, uh, who was raised, who was raised the price of saving of who raised the price of life saving drugs by five thousand percent. And was later convicted of securities fraud and was sentenced to seven years in prison. Was forced to hand the album over to the United States in 2018 as part of a 7.4 million dollar forfeiture judgment. Now, uh, the, I guess the government owned the, the the highly coveted single album that Wu Tang ever made of that uh, or that ever pressed to that, the Once Upon a Time in Shaolin. Um, you think you think the person, the government officials that acquired it, listened to it? Fuck yeah, of course. And they then did. they sold it to the, the, the whoever they sold it they, to. Hey, like, I, they they have to be, somebody in the government has to be young enough to be a Wu Tang fan. Well, we got to hear this shit. Yeah, dude, this they, is... somebody somebody definitely downloaded that shit into their fucking <laughs> computer for sure. Oh, yeah, be some bootleg versions of it. I hope it gets released. So, all we know, man, that shit could bring about world peace, dude. That could be the Bill and Ted album. That could be. That, that could be. Shit. Uh, so Britney Spears' lawyer files to have her father removed from controlling her finances. This douchebag, this piece of shit. Britney I, Spears? No, no. The dad, <laughs> the, dad I, or the lawyer. I'm so confused. No, the that, lawyer. So I no no the dad. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be honest. I I wasn't into any of this news, and then I read this, and so Britney Spears recently installed lawyer Matthew Rosengart who submitted a blistering 120 page petition to LA uh, Superior Court on Monday arguing that the father's that the singer's father Jamie Spears needs to be removed from overseeing her financial affairs immediately according to Rosengart the elder Spears appears to have profited handsomely from being from being uh, Britney's father so according to Rosengart Jamie Spears took 1.5% cut of gross revenues and merchandise earnings on the Las Vegas residency, amounting to at least $2.1 million. Spears allegedly took 2.95 commission on his daughter's Femme Fatale tour, which totaled to an, appro- an approximately $500,000. Rosengart also notes that Jamie Spears has been paying himself $16,000 a month, which is $2,000 more than he pays his daughter. Plus another two thousand dollars for office expenses. Uh, op- uh, office expenses. Additionally, Rosengut argues that Jamie Lynn has bought, has brought a, uh, a multiple, has sorry, has brought multiple expensive teams for his own legal representation, which uh, which paid Britney for. Spears ultimately paid for. Britney Spears has one lawyer. That was court appointed. How fucked up is this guy? Mm-hmm. 
and I, I think other family members benefit too. It's not just the dad. I think it's like the brother, the sister, the mother. But, and... Yeah, he pays himself two grand more a month and builds a legal team. Yeah, with her money. With That's her crazy. money. And she gets a court-appointed attorney. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So uh, I'm sure, Gilbert, you may have read this. I don't know if, uh, if Eric's read this. But I don't think I could play Ignition anymore. Oh, yeah. Oh, the little boys, man. Oh, boy. R. Kelly's got. What the fuck, dude? Like, it's when I read all that shit. So I I don't want to get into the details of the boys because that was really disturbing. Uh, But uh, on top of. On top of all the other allegations with the, Again, with the young girls. Pedophilia channel. No, it's not. Why does it always come back to this here, bro? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we know the two boys. Um, and then, you know, he's the two boys that, that he, he he was sexually involved with. They didn't release their names, though, right? No, no. No, that it's uh, uh, John Doe 1 and John Doe 2. That's that's how they're, they're listed. Coincidence, uh, they have the same name. Okay, Gilbert. Jesus Christ. Oh, I can't believe I left. <laughs> so so the, those boys were physically abused. They were paid hush payments. Um, and the prosecutors have also alleged, alleged um, or not, I'm sorry, they, they, yeah, they had also alleged that they have evidence showing a $500 payment to create a fake ID for Aaliyah while she was only 15 years old. Um, uh, so Kelly could marry her because Kelly believed that she was pregnant. And if they were married, she could not then be forced to testify against him in court. The two were married in August 30, uh, 31, 1994. R. R. Kelly was indicted in uh, 2002 of 21 counts of child pornography, but was eventually acquitted in 2008. Unfortunately, Leah uh, passed away in 2001. But I just started reading portions of that whole shit with the two boys. And you, I was like, this guy's disgusting. Like the the shit that he did was, I mean, look at look it up on your own or nope. don't. But it was, I it was disturbing. Um, but you know, it, it like, you know, Gilbert, you're a parent. I'm a parent. We both like when, when, once you started reading that, I'm like, oh, this guy's a fucking piece of shit. I didn't know it went into details. It it, it got pretty dark. So, um, happier news. Beatles music to be stored in a bomb-proof doomsday vault near the North Pole. So it's it's an island that's located in between Norway and the North Pole and aims to preserve the songs for the next thousand years. The location is going to attempt to use a future-proof digital storage to protect musical recordings for centuries to come. They also have recordings of like Aboriginal music, uh, like any anything that's considered classic and historic and 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 legendary is going to be stored this is the same place where they're shrinking people and like setting them up there like the rich elite right i don't know Eric. you didn't see that movie with matt damon where they <laughs> shrink the people and they send them <laughs> no the the place um, is the place is called uh awa yeah. That's where they like they're storing seeds and all kinds of DNA information. No, too, right? it's, no, no, it's a separate location. No, separate location. It's, they're they're just uh, preserving art oh, or, okay. or or you know anything that's historic to the world. So yeah, what we speak about about the, about the Beatles and talk about uh, you know the song Revolution. You know that that um that I remember we've talked about it before how how Michael bought the the rights to the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, after Paul Tone told him that that was a very good investment, um, and he got he what sent him over the top is that he sold that song to Nike. So I don't remember if you, were, you guys remember the the yeah, Nike that running big campaign, the yeah. big campaign with Revolution on it, and that was like what what. And by the way, speaking of Paul McCartney, I do want to check. There's that uh, documentary on Hulu um, with him and Rick Rubin that looks amazing. I think it's called McCartney Three Two One or something like that. So I gotta I gotta check it out. It looks really good. And I actually, so I have new music today. Any of you have new music? I have I more news. Not. Oh, you have more uh, news? Drop, I do drop. have news. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but there was a little festival here in Miami uh, called Rolling Loud that happened this weekend. Apparently, nobody decided to wear a mask, uh, even though we're on a crazy outbreak. Um, and <laughs> but No political, um, political leanings on this podcast, Gilbert. Sorry. None. none. <laughs> um, and then, um, but uh, the, the baby decided to... Um, 
like act crazy. So two things. So um, Meg the Stallion was um, before the baby, right? The baby brings out Tory Lanez, who allegedly shot uh, Meg the Stallion in the foot, which is kind of weird. Right? Allegedly, have you seen the video? He shot. Isn't that a porn star, Tory Lanez? I don't know. No, I don't think That's so. That's a rapper. Okay. Yeah, um, but the more disturbing part, he went on this homophobic um, rant and talked about HIV and AIDS and all this shit. Like basically he said, like, if you don't have HIV or AIDS, put your lighters in the air or phone thing in the air. And is this the baby or Tory Lane? The baby, the baby. Um, And he's obviously getting some serious backlash now. Um, Yeah, I read a comment that that Dua Lipa was like- So Dua Lipa came out and said something, you know, obviously she's, you know, she has a huge LBT, um, LBTGQ um, community or like, you know, fans and stuff like that. Following, yeah, and um, it's so weird. And he's he almost like in sense it's like like in some reaction after like double down on what he was saying. Like instead of like understanding, mm-hmm. like I guess like the you know like the lack of, of awareness of like the sensitivity to the subject is kind of crazy. Um, but he's looking at him trouble. Then little Boosie steps in and basically calls out little Nas X because I think um, something that the baby said was kind of aimed at little Nas X, and so it was just like just unneeded and. Just, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get canceled or not, but I it, I mean, it's it's not looking good for him. Somebody, uh, sorry, I just said, De, uh, um, uh, Jesus from Jesus and Mero uh, was like, you know who's having a hard night tonight? The publicist. <laughs> 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 um, and then also you got, you fit the, fit those, those, guys, those guys are great. Yeah. Phil mention one thing. Uh, Kanye West. Uh, had a the, listening did you get party. To watch it. It was on Twitch. It was. Uh, oh, was it on Twitch? No, I, I missed I saw, it, dude. I saw it from like uh, Apple TV, maybe. Or have something you like heard that. any? Have you heard any of the new album? Yeah, apparently he doesn't know how to do drums anymore because everything doesn't have any drums. So the whole thing was. It's a kind of crazy rollout. There was a um, a dude that's like a YouTube guy got a got to go to one of their early listening parties and like basically said that the album's coming on Friday. The listening party's on Thursday. Everybody's now waiting for midnight. There's no new Kanye West album. <laughs> and then and the, you find, the you whole find crazy, the whole craziness in the stadium. Did you see yeah. that? What yeah, happened? That he's living in the stadium. That he's living he in the stadium. To, that he decided to walk out in the middle of a of, a, of Atlanta uh, United soccer game. the United yeah. game. <laughs> with, the same, with the same with the same with the same outfit he was wearing and the, the pantyhose on top of his head. And, uh, yeah, and the pantyhose on his head. Um, I heard the Jay Z. I, I I gotta hear it again, but again, it's like no drums, no nothing. It sounds so weird. So he's basically locking himself in in the um in the stadium and uh, <laughs> and recording an album. Um, but it was kind of funny listening to like people. Talk. Apparently, two chains went to go check out the listening party and and i guess one of kanye's engineers per- jumped like threw him in the studio and, like i need you to record a verse like <laughs> <laughs> so he's just doing this shit on the fly he's, i like it bro i love kanye I, uh, I i i miss old kanye but it's fun to watch crazy kanye and then there's a picture of his room <laughs> In, uh, in the in, in the, the stadium in the stadium and they were like and somebody just wrote divorce vibes <laughs> <laughs> dude poor That's guy man. he's going through some shit man <laughs> fuck I, um but you know what though whether or not whatever it's it's i mean i'm it's good to get some good music from him hopefully the last <laughs> the last two were pretty not great so um uh, who knows what this is gonna be but I, it's the whole thing around it, and then, and then I don't know if you saw the, they, they put the, um, um, like the food menu, and he was charging fifty dollars for chicken strips. Yeah, you well, gotta check it out. Put, put the, yeah, yeah, yeah Eric, dude. check it out. 50, he, he was fifty dollars yeah. for chicken strips. Okay, some, some gourmet shit. Poor guy. <laughs> he doesn't need money, right? Like, he's, no, he's like a billionaire. Right? Like, yeah. he but. And then, and then, I mean, you know what? I he's he also, um, I think that that night before his pre orders for uh, the gap, um, like jacket that that was coming out and like it was instantly sold out. So, I mean, he's 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 financially he's Kanye, man. Okay. He's Kanye, man. What are you yeah. gonna do? But, but I just, I just love the fact that they're like, they're like, hey, by the way, I'm a uh, you're thank, <laughs> thank you for showing up. I'd actually let me pull yeah. you out of the stand. And yeah, get you yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that was hilarious, <laughs> but. So, anything oh, J Lo and Ben Affleck still going strong. Oh, Benifer. fuck yeah, bro! Benifer. hell yeah, I'm rooting for them. 
I I never I just saw a picture of today. I I had never seen his back tattoo. Oh, uh, what? That You've is never seen that? That is disturbing. That is the greatest tattoo that ever. That is the worst tattoo ever. It seen. doesn't look good, right? Like <laughs> it doesn't it look like it had a lot of definition. You know you know what it is? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I this may come off as racist, but if you're a white guy, don't do that. No. Don't you do know that. what it is? From watching a lot of tattoo shows, because, they didn't put a, like, they didn't put a lot of black giant out. Asian phoenixes on his back. They look like like fucking uh, cockfights. Yeah, like it just, and it, it doesn't match. <laughs> it doesn't match him. Like, so basically, or what, get what filler, or get filler, because it's just all these white pieces of skin and these two giant. <laughs> yeah, like they look like it looks like a cockfight between yeah. between two phoenix. I'm like. I was like, "Wow, that is the worst tattoo I've ever seen in my life." I've watched I've watched enough Ink Master to know that they didn't put enough black, they didn't put enough black in there. To, to, is to that make what it is? Body. Yeah, you can't distinguish it. It like yeah. blurs into each. They didn't, they didn't put enough like, black. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, we are a horrible people. Yeah, we are. Uh, that's a beautiful pink cup you got there, Gilbert. Thank you. But Sorry. he was switching. Didn't you have a silver one earlier? No. Are, are you no. double fisting cups? Yeah, I yeah. thought he was double double fisting water. Yeah. All right, so new music, anybody? Nah, man, nothing new right. for me. So, <laughs> so we had talked about Paul McCartney. When we hang up, you got to watch this video. So Paul McCartney and Beck. You saw, you've seen the video? Yeah. The Find My Way, have you seen it, Gilbert? Mm-mm. So it's it's a young Paul McCartney. You got to watch it. The song's actually pretty good. It's not a bad song, but the video's really entertaining. Um, so... <clears throat> Uh, this this weekend, I happened to get engaged to this wonderful person. That's congratulations, buddy. Uh, thank you, thank you. So, um, before we left for the weekend, uh, we're both big fans of Leon Bridges. He had just released an album Friday. Um, his album is called Gold Digger Sound, and there's two songs that I can't stop listening to. Uh, one's called Motorbike. And then the other song's called Why Don't You Touch Me. Great album. If you like soulful music. I thought you were going to say, say Motorboat. <laughs> did you hear Did you hear Eric? No, what did you hear? <laughs> so after I say, why don't you touch me? He goes, it's like my last relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and then so he ended up getting a motorbike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. Leon, look me up, bro. We're, we're, we're going through the same shit. Yeah. yeah Eric's going to find uh, Leon Bridges. But yeah, great, great. The album's great. Every song's fantastic. Um, and then I I put the song because I don't remember. I mentioned this in another episode, but I really like the song. The song's called Freedom. It's from John Baptiste, uh, who's he's the he's a composer or the head or the, the music director for uh, uh, Colbert. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's a fun video. Like it's he's dancing and singing throughout New Orleans. I apologize if I brought this up a couple of weeks ago, but I really enjoyed the song and I couldn't remember. But the video makes you want to be in New Orleans, and it's a it's a fun song. And yeah, I know you guys are going to New Orleans, but uh, but check it out. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the episode, guys. I've been vibing, you know, I, and I sent it to you guys too. I've been on a on a Bee Gees kick this week and. Yes. Primarily, uh, Barbara Streisand and uh, I think is it Andy Gibb? Is, is it? No, no, it's uh, uh, Barry. Barry, Barry Gibb, uh, Guilty, that duet. Fucking a man, that sucks so amazing. I can't remember what's the 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 song that that they wrote. Oh my god, it was on the documentary, but it it kind of sounded like Guilty too. I can't. I got. Oh, was it? No, it wasn't Endless Love. How deep is your love? No, no, it was. It was no. it, they wrote it for. They had written it for somebody. Oh, okay. Islands of a Stream. Islands of a Stream. Yep, yep, yep. That's another class. But that's that's a Linda Ronstan and, and Kenny Rogers, right? Uh, or is it is one it of Linda, them? No, it's, it's Kenny Rogers. Mia and, and Old Dirty Bastard. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. And Praz. <laughs> and Praz. But uh, isn't it? No, I think it might be Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. Sorry, yeah. not Linda Ronstan. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Oh, anything else? Man, that's that's it for today. I do have a little. Uh, so, if you want to slide into Carlos DM or the Bipodega DM, no, do not slide uh, into tell me DM. where this song is from, <laughs> and it's just a little snippet from my radio. No, I said it wrong. God damn it! I even fucked that up. <laughs> from my video to my radio, 
If you know what Saturday morning cartoon came from, send it to Carlos. Why? Why are you getting people sliding in my DMs? I don't trying to bring your your popularity up on the Instagram, dude. Do not send them to Gilbert. Is that how it works? Go to Lovers Rock on the Instagrams. Go to Lovers Rock, bro. No, but it's a people data thing. Right. And for those who didn't catch it the first time around, from my video (laughs) to my radio. Uh, so a shout out uh got to talk to the chad today so always the shout chad. out chad he's always doing better to, he made it through it, covid yeah he made it through covid but unfortunately nice. jason who you've talked to before caught the rones god damn it man yeah uh, but uh but he says he's not that bad luckily he's vaccinated and then uh shout out to my beautiful and amazing fiance who's i think she's trying to ignore and not listen to what i'm saying but uh, but yeah please don't don't use the podcast to gain brownie points i'm uh, <laughs> no i'm i'm being rom- i'm trying to this be this is not the- that kind of platform sir this is this is the platform this is <laughs> gilbert when you want to say something wonderful to your wife feel free to do so will do i was hoping you'd say something now she's going to hear this and then no she probably doesn't listen anyways. No, right. probably not. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. All right, guys. All right, man. gentlemen. All right. Bye, out. everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye. Peace. Later. Later. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you. I'm out. Mm.